Super Duty Tough Work. Back in the building. We are here. Y'all know who it is. Y'all know what we do. Every week. Brand new episodes. Fire topics. You know. Just the dopest podcast. What can we say? It's hard being this good. Yeah, you know. Somebody got to do it, though. Mm-hmm. Why not? Why us? not? Why not? Why not? Why not? Blueprint and a logic. Doing what we do every week. You know, uh, just, you know, just doing our thing out there, man. You know, how you doing, sir? I'm good, man. You know, good weekend. Um, work is kicking my ass, but you know, mm. taking it in stride. Um, Damn you know gosh. how you, you know how when when motherfuckers like we talked about this before the mm-hmm. ambition, you know. <laughs> yes, um, we did. Yes, we did. Like I kind of got thrown into something. Uh-huh. Like I've only been at my job a year, right? Yeah. They got me training new people that come into our department now. Okay. I think one of the reasons that they did this is because I've only been there, you know, not, you know, for a year. So I'm doing everything by the book, you know what I'm saying? But at the same time, I'm dealing with, you know, mad personalities that's been there 10, 20 years, you know, and they do things their way. Mm. But since I'm the head of training and they're doing training, I have to kind of instruct them on how to train somebody. Mm-hmm. And these motherfuckers is looking at me like, "You only been here a year. Who are you? Yeah, you like who you are? are you? Yeah, who do you think you are?" <laughs> so you know, I'm dealing with that kind of stuff. You know, dealing with office politics. No. You know, what I'm saying dealing no. with corporate. You know, shit. <sighs> and um, it's been it's been a struggle, but at the same time, like my manager is like, "You're doing a great job." You know, if anybody got a problem with what you tell them, send them to me. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So, yeah. you know, like I've I've been given some good authority, you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? To where like, you know, if you if you don't like what I'm saying, you know, manager say hit her up. You know what I'm saying? You can ask your questions there, but this is what I've been instructed <laughs> to do. So, but it's cool though. But yeah, yeah it's, um, you know, 40 hours turn to 60 hours real quick. You know, Ooh, man, yeah. look. I feel you on this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We just did this episode for those of you who who might have missed it. You know, like we we did it was the truth about ambition or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's about this very thing, man. You know, yeah. you get a job and it's all good and then eventually going to add a little bit more to your plate. A little bit more. And you got to really be like prepared that like if you're going to actually be a a high performer, mm-hmm. you're going to have to work more than everybody else. And they gotta people see it, mm-hmm. you know. I'm still doing really well at being an average truck driver. You know what I mean? Like no one has detected. <laughs> you gotta work to be average because it ain't it ain't in your nature no, no. to just be average. You gotta put it at work every day. I have to <laughs> check. I have a checklist of things that average employees do. <laughs> I try to do those every week at my job. Like if oh. I if I find myself doing something that's above and beyond, I'd be like, don't do that, Al. We agreed (laughs) to not ever do that. (laughs) That's funny because you know it is, man. Once you ambitious, ain't no turning back, man. Right? No turning back. So I'm once they see it, yeah. Once they see it, they can't. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. They asked if I wanted to work uh, Saturday, Friday morning. 
I pulled the old reply three hours late. Move on. Right. Uh-huh. I didn't see it because I was driving. My bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> y'all still need something. Y'all yeah, still need you know what I mean. <laughs> Let me know. You know what I mean. Uh-huh. But uh, I'm doing pretty good in that regard. You know, yeah. this this week was like a 50 hour week, which is mm-hmm. like probably my highest. Yeah. You know, I'm trying to keep it right there or below. That's I'm, that, I ain't trying to go above that, man. If I do 55, that's okay. Mm. But yeah, the, the return of the 60, 70 hour weeks, I ain't trying to do that, man. Yeah. You it know, is, it gets, it gets really real. Yeah. Russ got shit to do, man. You know, but okay. This podcast, you know, we had a decently long intro for all of y'all. We're here. Super duty, tough work, blueprint and logic. We got a topic that's going to be one of those topics. Yeah. Some cats are gonna be tight. They might be tight after this a little bit. I think some I'm gonna of- make some enemies on this one. <laughs> but you know how we are. We we the most infamous for a reason. <laughs> you got the ops looking at you. You know what I mean? Like we say shit that nobody wanna say. Uh, you know what I'm saying? And so this episode, as you can see by the title, the title of this episode is Unpopular Producer Opinions. This episode was inspired by a tweet I made last week. Mm-hmm. That had quite a few people in an uproar on Twitter. Mm. Lots of agreement, lots of disagreement, but a lot of people saying, thank you. Somebody finally said it. Mm-hmm. And it gave me the idea that we there's a lot of unpopular producer opinions that I have mm-hmm. that we shared during this podcast. And we never made a whole episode about them. Mm-hmm. So we have a whole list of them. If you're a producer, you might get pissed off on this episode. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. You might. There might be one or two of these that have you like, that's not. Nah, man, fuck you. <laughs> fuck that. No. <laughs> then there might be some you might get on. Well, you're right, though. You're right. Mm. I wouldn't say it, but you're right. I feel him on that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And uh, some of them are controversial. Some of them are just like, you know, you can't debate this shit. You know? Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, we're going to talk about that this episode. And so uh, we'll take a break and we'll be right back. Work. We got you stuck off the realness, the most infamous, you heard of us, official podcast murderers, the show comes equipped with few points to share, grown man ideas for all those who care and want to grow, so go ahead and download, every single week with a brand new episode, you're not alone in this world cousin, so we share information and honest discussion, and keep repping the culture, like we supposed to, they spread gossip but they never come closer, I can hear it inside their tone, they talk about the industry but never left their home you get laced up with bullet points and such plus empowering topics that they never would touch you can put your whole network against the team but super duty tough works the mvp most valuable podcast on mp3 priceless info but all of it's free so take these words home and think them through super duty tough work is coming at you now listening to Super Duty Tough Work with your host, Blueprint, raw and uncut, adult conversations, no shucking, no jiving, and no bullshit. Alright folks, we're back. Super Duty Tough Work, Blueprint, Illogic. This week we are talking about unpopular producer opinions. Those of you at home, brace yourself. We got some hot fire coming down the pike. (laughs) 
some things that might piss you off, some things you may have never thought about, some things you may agree with. But we're going to get this conversation started with the one that started this whole thing, inspired this whole conversation. The number one unpopular producer opinion is that watching 95% of producers make beats is boring. I don't make the rules. <laughs> I'm a producer myself. Uh huh. I would love nothing more than to be entertained by watching people make beats. This conclusion did not uh, come about from not watching producers make beats. Right. Lord knows I have tried. Mm -hmm. And there are some exceptions. You know, rhythm roulette. Mm -hmm. Some guys, you know, I would put maybe like a uh, stolen drums. Mm -hmm. I can watch him a little more. Mm -hmm. But in general, 95% of the guys who are making beats and it's not their fault mm -hmm. are boring as shit to me. I feel bad saying it because I'm a producer and I feel like I'm supposed to like the shit. It's boring, dog. Yeah, I agree. I agree because I watch, I watch a, lot of, a lot of producers making beats and a lot of times I do skip through. You know what I'm saying? Like I can't sit there and watch the whole hour, hour and a half or whatever. Um, but, you know, what I what I responded to the tweet was, you know, Rhythm Roulette is definitely a, a, a you know, a outlier. Yes. Um, but mainly because it's pre-recorded and edited so you don't have to watch the entire process. Right. Right. You know what I'm saying you get to watch them, you know, pick the records out. You get to watch them kind of, you know, go through the records. Even them going through the records is edited. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like you get to watch them kind of formulate you know, their drum pattern, you know what I'm saying? Like all of that's edited. So I think that's why Rhythm Roulette is palatable, you know, because, you know, cats make two or three beats within a span of, you know, five to 10 minutes. Yeah. And and the you thing know. too, is it Rhythm Roulette, that's the part that I think producers are missing. Mm -hmm. Production, as you know, and I know is kind of boring. Yeah. It's not fun. It's tedious. It's a lot of small details and mm -hmm. small decisions you make over and over again. And then they eventually mold. It's like sculpting something. You start with this big rock. Mm -hmm. You have to slowly chisel off the details until what's underneath it is beautiful. Right. right? Production is like that. Mm -hmm. I personally, like you're saying, I don't think it fits the long form format right. that we're getting with guys streaming for four hours, five hours, mm -hmm. making a beat for one hour, not editing at all. I don't think it fits that because even I don't want to watch you go through 10 snares, truncate this thing. I think edit it is the best. Yeah, definitely is the best. And I've done it before. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like I, I, I streamed when I was doing my beats and B-sides regularly. One of my streams, I did it making a beat live. Mm -hmm. And I remember that. I only did it once. <laughs> Hard to keep people on that stream, huh? It was hard to in and out. And honest, it was hard to keep people on the stream, and also, like, I found myself thinking, like, cats don't want to see this. You know what I'm nah. saying? Like, I found myself <laughs> thinking that while I was streaming it, 
You know yeah. what I'm saying? Because, you know, I, I did it in an hour and I just kind of created a loop. But I went through, you know, four or five different drum breaks. I was looking for samples. I was doing all that stuff. So I was doing my yeah. process. But recording it and having people watch it is not, I was thinking, like, this isn't fun. Um, but, you know, like, if somebody plays instruments, which is part of why, yes. you know, watching Stolen Drums is still interesting because he plays bass, he yes. plays keys. Like, he doesn't do a lot of sampling these days when he does his streams now. So mm -hmm. it is a lot more interesting to watch him create things and watch the melodies kind of come to life as they're playing instruments. Because you still hear music and they're actually doing something as opposed to just, you know, on a needle on a record. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Going through samples, listening to snares, all of that stuff. Um, so I think watching someone play instruments creating beats is definitely different. It's about your process. You know what I'm yes. saying? If you got your process and workflow down to where it's, you know, quick, you know yes. what I'm saying? Then, you know, you can, you can keep some people interested, but you got to have that process down to where it's, it's quick enough and it's visually entertaining or at least, you know, sonically yeah. entertaining enough to where yeah. people will stay watching. And make an edited highlight version for people like me, man. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, I, I and, and what's funny is when you had this conversation, a lot of producers feel like, like you, like, I don't know. They think that you hating. Like, mm -hmm. they're like, well, how did you learn? You gotta watch it to learn, and you gotta like, this is this is this is YouTube, man. This is not in sign up for a course. This guy's right. just streaming. I'm just watching, like. Right. Maybe I'm not here to learn. Maybe everybody's not here for the same things. Yeah. Maybe sometimes you want to be entertained and educated. The same reason people listen to podcasts. Mm -hmm. We don't see it's not as academic as it is entertaining. Right. Because right. you gotta mix the two. Yeah, and save that for your Patreon or something. You know yeah. what I'm saying? If people want to watch it, give them, you know, give them those options, but make a truncated version. Yeah. And you'll get more views and more interaction. And, and producers watch it. It's really just content for producers. Mm -hmm. But even me as a producer, I hate to I hate to say it, but it's an unpopular opinion. And a lot of people will be like, ah, oh, fuck that. You hate. But it's just true. I, I just don't find it. Ninety five percent. There are some exceptions, but yeah. most of it is boring. That's number one. The number two. Unpopular. Here you go. Here we you, go. You know, you know this. My you know this. My <laughs> joint, man. Come on now. <laughs> This was gonna piss the logic off. You gonna be the feeling for this? One. Sorry, y'all. This is how you know I'm not pulling no punches when I'm pissing the logic off with my unpopular producer opinions. This is my man, but he gonna have to dodge this straight bullet right here. <laughs> the number two unpopular producer opinion is that the Fruity Loops graphic interface is awful, and that is why people front on Fruity Loops. Not because it doesn't have functions or the costs or the features. That's FL gang here, man. FL gang. FL gang is mad right now. I'm sorry, <laughs> FL gang. I had to say it. The interface looks childish. It looks like a fucking college student program. All the faders look fake and cheap. The knobs look corny and fucking weird. It's like, yo, why don't they overhaul the interface? Why don't they overhaul the graphic interface? Every time I see the program, I'm like, you motherfuckers really care what people think. You care enough to change the name from Fruity Loops to FL Studio. You knew that something was wrong with the fucking name. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I agree. Y'all putting all these features in it. It does everything that every other program does. Why don't they overhaul the interface? It looks corny and childish and nobody want to say it. 
That's why people sleep. Man. Honestly, you know what? I can't really speak. You know what I'm saying? Because it's the only interface that I've actually used. You know what yeah. I'm saying? So I've never, I've seen other ones. Yeah. And I mean, honestly, I think Ableton looks a little clunky to me. I think it's a lot going on with Ableton. And, you know, like the fact that this is the only one I've really used and really interacted yeah. with, you know, maybe it does look yeah. childish to everyone else. You know what I'm saying? But to me, it's the shit. You know right, what I'm saying? Right. Because it does what you need it to do. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But you know what I mean? visually, and, I could yeah. I could see I could see that. You and know I, what I'm saying? And here's the thing. I'm not saying this that it's better or worse than mm-hmm. any other production dog. You know what I'm saying? All I'm saying is like if you look at Pro Tools, this ain't even making beats. Mm-hmm. If you look at Cubase, if you look at Logic, if you look at Ableton, hell, if you look at GarageBand, mm-hmm. and if you look at the graphic interface. Fruity Loops, you'll be like, what is this shit? Is this, are they done? Is this a beta? (laughs) Wow. I'm just saying, it just looks weird. Wow. They need to just overhaul the graphic interface. That's it. The shit looks really fucking goof. It don't look pro to me. And I think that's why some people just try to, I think when people insult it, that's what it is. I think the people who are insulting it are coming from that other space. Because I find myself, when I look at it, I've, I've messed around with it. Mm-hmm. I don't think it, it does everything that I would need it to do. Mm-hmm. I just look at something like this. this serious? They really putting this out here like this? FL gang, man. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We I always dodge blame for this one. I know I'm we always dodging bullets, man. We always dodging bullets. <laughs> I know, you know what I'm I saying? That's always talking shit about FL, man. <laughs> and I try to. I'm trying to be very tactful because I don't want y'all to know. <laughs> It ain't about the program functionality. People right. are making incredible shit. You can make, look, man, we've been making beats for how long? Mm-hmm. I was making beats on the fucking uh, Insonic EPS 16. I was making mm-hmm. beats on the goddamn karaoke machine. Pause mixtape beats on the karaoke. Those who know, know. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I don't care about gear like that. But when I look at that, when that's one thing in the market, it just don't make sense to me. Like, yo, y'all got a loyal customer fan base. It's clean as shit up. That's it, man. All right, whatever. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> whatever, dog. You know what I mean? Logic Saudi, man. He's sick. Man. I'm sorry, bro. I'm sorry. Whatever. I just had to say it. I had to say it. You know, to each his own. You know okay. what I mean? Yeah, to each his own. <laughs> Like I said, some of these things are going to be unpopular. So if y'all in the comments, I know I'm going to get flamed in the comments for saying this shit. So go ahead. Let me have it. Defend it all you want to. But I just got to put that out there. It's unpopular. I know. But I'm just saying it. Mm. Okay, number three. Unpopular. Producer opinion. Is that. (laughs) This this is going to piss some people off, too. But it's true. It's It's true. true. Okay, number three, all trap drums sound the same. Very true. I said it. There, that's it. All trap drums sound the same, man. Yep. Whether it's the pattern or the things itself, they sound the same because motherfuckers know that they can just grab some generic trap drums or any trap drum pattern and throw Mm -hmm. it behind whatever, and it just sounds the same. Yeah. And that's okay for trap, but like for motherfuckers who just, like me, I'm just like, why the drums always sound exactly the same? Like, y'all can't change the pattern none? Mm-hmm. Y'all can't change a single fucking snare. Mm-hmm. Y'all can't change the hi-hats. Y'all can't. Y'all just grab the hi-hats off. 
there's exceptions to this shit where like the super high there's high level shit that sounds different right right but am i tripping no i don't think so i think that's one of the things about trap that turns me off at least or turns off the quote-unquote real hip-hop heads is because the drums are the foundation of a beat yeah you know what i'm saying the drums are the foundational element of the beat and if your drums all sound the same then to us all your beats sound the same yeah you know what i'm saying like you can put whatever you want over it but at, after a while it's like I can't listen to a full album of trap because after a while it starts to blend into itself. Mm. That's why listening to the radio sucks because they play so much trap shit. After a while, it starts to sound like, didn't I hear this? Just hear this song 10 minutes ago. You know what I'm saying? And then it don't help that all the rappers are using auto tune and all sounding the same. You know what I'm saying? Using the same rhyme patterns, using Mm -hmm. the same, you know what I'm saying? Of course there are exceptions to this rule, but at the same time, in general, most trap music, sounds exactly the same there are your standouts like i don't think like future is like the head of a lot of you know a lot of yep. shit you know what i'm saying there are some cats that are at the head of the ship but then when you start to go down the line everybody's trying to sound like the head of the snake you know what i'm yeah. saying everybody sounds the same the production sounds the same like you can tell a white a mike will made it beat but at the same time everybody trying to make beats that sound like mike will made it you know what i mean yes. so it's yeah, I, I think I, I completely agree. This is why trap kind of turns me off because everything sounds the same song after song mm-hmm. for the most part. And if you say that, you're gonna get flamed on any social media. Platform. My kids be flaming me because I because I tell them. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? My kids be going in like, nah, cause they be trying to, you know, play me different stuff. I was like, that sounds just like the last song to me. Like I can, like you can you don't hear the difference. No, I don't. I don't. Is that the same rapper? No, it's a different dude. No. Oh, he sounds just like the last dude. You know what I'm saying? Like, my kids be going in on me. You know what I mean? <laughs> that's great. <laughs> All right, man. That's number three. Okay. Uh, we'll take a break and we'll be right back. Break. Quick announcement. Over the years, we've frequently been asked by the listeners of our show if we would ever open up our platform to the public for advertising we've always been interested in doing it but in the past we never had the systems in place to make it work properly i'm proud to announce that we are now officially accepting advertising from the public on super duty tough work meaning if you are a business owner or an artist and would like to create more awareness about your product service or release on our platform we're now in a position to be able to do that for more information, email us at superdutytoughwork at weightless.net. That's superdutytoughwork at weightless.net. Tell us a little bit about who you are, what you would like to promote, and we'll get back to you as soon as possible about whether it's a good fit and go from there. Thanks for your time. Back to the show. Are you an artist who has the talent to succeed, but has a hard time executing? Do you have the will to win, but lack the plan? Are you tired of having great ideas that never come to fruition or starting new projects, but never finishing them? If you answered yes to any of these questions, reach out to me at superdutytoughwork at weightless.net 
to book a one-on-one coaching call. Tell me a little bit about who you are, what you're trying to do, and I'll see if I can be of service to you. Have a great day. All right, folks, we are back. Super duty, tough work, emphasis, the logic, podcasting, giving the people what they want. This week, we're talking some of what they don't want. You're right. You're right. You're right. (laughs) A lot of opinions you may not have wanted this week. You getting them. You getting them. This week, we're talking about unpopular producer opinions. We got three down. We came in pretty hot. You know, this next one is one for everyone who is of our generation. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I've said it before in this podcast, but I believe it. The number four unpopular music opinion is that music theory ruined the RZA. Mm. When I look at the RZA, I say to myself, this guy is one of the most amazing producers hip-hop producers of all time catalog is unquestionable he got sales he got plaques he got everything iconic shit it makes absolutely no sense that the rizza fell off to the degree that he's fell off as a producer if you look at a guy like dj mugs alchemist premiere pete rock None of them fell off the cliff that the RZA fell off. When you sit and you watch like that one video of RZA making that beat on that drum machine, I don't think the drums <laughs> ever came out. <laughs> the one from uh, what is it? Was it Sam Ash? It was, I think it was a Sam Ash commercial, or yeah. um, I don't know what it yeah. was. It was yeah. maybe it was a rolling drum. It was some kind of sampler that somebody had him. That was one of the most awful beats I ever heard in my life, ever. In the history of hip hop. Yes. You gotta, I'm thinking, how did this man make something like that? Mm -hmm. Like that shit was so bad. And the worst part is like when you really listen to a lot of the RZA's hip hop production of his later stuff, it sounds like he completely lost his ear for what made him special. You're like, this the guy that made cream? Mm-hmm. This the guy that made protect your neck. Mm-hmm. This the guy, this the guy who did fucking human links. Mm-hmm. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah. yeah, but you. But the, the my theory is that what happened to the RZA is when RZA got to Hollywood, mm-hmm. he started getting into film. He started wanting to score things and to communicate with those people out there and to get his ideas off. He had to learn music theory. And when he learned music theory, it ruined what made him special in the first place, which was the fact that he was he broke all the rules of music in a cool way. Mm-hmm. He would have bass lines that were a little off off note in the bass line. Rhythmically, mm-hmm. he was sloppy with the drums and off. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Uh, he would take things from these two different sources and mash them together. Mm-hmm. But it just worked. I think that worked because he didn't really know music. He wasn't yeah. so so educated on music that he couldn't that he could just move how he wanted to move. Yep. Now he knows so much that it's ruined him as a hip hop producer to me. And 
I, I, I welcome everybody else to give me their opinion. But in my opinion, RZA fell off when he went to Hollywood and learned music theory. That's an interesting take. Um, I agree with a lot of the earlier stuff. Like, this is why I never want, like, I want to learn certain things about music. Mm -hmm. But that's part of, I think, what makes my production special is that I don't completely know exactly the right notes to hit and all that yeah. stuff. But I know it sounds good. Yeah. Yeah. As long as it sounds good, that's all I'm worried about. Mm -hmm. I'm not worried about if everything is in, you know, exactly the right key. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Like, but if it still set, like I can tell when something's really off. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, definitely off. But if I know that it sounds a little, but it still sounds good, yep. I don't fuck with it. Leave it in. You know? What I mean? <laughs> yeah, I don't fuck with it. So, yeah, I think I think that's one of the things because you know later in his production career, you, RZA don't have like those standout. There's no standouts. You know, mm -hmm. maybe the joint he did for Kanye on um on um. Twisted Fantasy. Yeah, that was probably um, the last one that I remember being like, okay, yeah, this is dope. Yeah, yeah, but I haven't, there's not a lot of RZA, credit, RZA credits mm -mm. since then that I've, that anybody knows or touts, you know, at all. Yeah, yeah, and, and it's very glaring when you compare it to his peers. Because mm -hmm. in a lot of ways, they're as good, not better. Mm -hmm. Many of them have adopted to not sampling as much. Right. Still making dope shit. You know, it's at first I was like, well, maybe it's because he can't sample, but it's like, nah, Primo does albums where he samples and people give him things to sample. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like the prime stuff that was like, they got one artist to make a bunch of samples mm -hmm. and then they, he chopped those and flipped those and it sounds great. Yeah. RZA could do that. Mm -hmm. Easily. But it's like the RZA can't make nothing that sounds even remotely like who he is. Or we define it, and it's just like, how? That's my theory. Maybe it's not true. I, I know there's gonna be some people who know music theory, and their their arguments gonna be, well, music theory. I learned music theory; it made me better. All my shit is tighter. Da 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 da. And that's mm -hmm. that's I'm sure that's true. The question yeah. is, were you making shit to sound like the Rizzas? Right. Before? Yeah. Where did you start? Where did you start? Yeah. You know. So, yeah, that's an unpopular producer opinion. Number four. Number five. This one, man. This this what this this what gonna have a cat. You go you go you might have your your inbox might start blowing up on this. They might not even wanna wanna respond, you know what I'm saying, in public. They're gonna be fuming. There's gonna be some steam bit. coming out of people's ears on this one. A little one. bit. What's that little that little fist, little fist emoji? Mm -hmm. like, yeah, ah. with the little kid. Yeah. yeah, that's what this is gonna be, man. Number five, unpopular producer opinion is that if you've never produced a full-length album for a vocalist, you're not a producer yet. You're still a beat maker. Mm. Ah, look, I already know. This is going to mm. get me blamed. I know. Mm. All the people who say, look, look, look. Yeah, I'm a producer. I'm a producer, producer, produce. But you ain't never worked on nothing with no vocalists. You ain't never had to really arrange your songs. You ain't never really had to work on sequencing, album sequencing, the, the true mixing of a track with vocalists, which is way harder than just as an instrumental track. Mm -hmm. You haven't deal, had to deal with uh, the differencing of, of, of opinions, sequencing some shit, doing shit. It just, it's just a whole different thing. 
And I know that a lot of producers or think that they're producers and they haven't done that yet. And my opinion is that's what makes you a producer. I don't think I was a producer until I did that. Mm -hmm. I wasn't a producer until I worked with you mm -hmm. and with Greenhouse. And, and, and you know what I'm saying? Those are the things that turn me into a producer. If I was just producing one song, sending off a beat, getting paid, stepping off, mm -hmm. it's making a beat, stepping off. Mm -hmm. If you're not there to see that project, that, that song through to completion, and you're not a part of it to orchestrate your ideas or help that artist orchestrate their ideas, I don't think you really are a producer yet because you haven't done everything within the scope of music production. And I know I look like a fucking hater for saying it, but I got to say. It. See, I um, now for me personally, like I didn't honestly feel like a producer completely until I did my albums autopilot. And, you know, and I and I, I've said that publicly <clears throat> now. I don't necessarily agree, though. <laughs> I know. I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't expect you to agree with this, with some of these yeah, choices. Yeah, I, I don't necessarily. Yeah, I don't necessarily agree because there are some instrumentalists. Yeah, that have not necessarily, at least from what I know. Yeah, have not necessarily done full projects. May have done songs here and there. Yeah. Um, but even the ones that haven't, depending on how how you make your beats and how you put albums together, if you have instrumental, you know, albums that you've yeah. done, then that takes a little more than just throwing beats together. Now, if you're just doing beat tapes and not really sequencing based on, you know, song structure and things like that, then I think that's, that's a different argument. But when you have people that create instrumental things that they look at song structure, they look at, you know, make sure I have an intro, you know, a, a beginning, middle and end kind of thing to their beats. Then I think that takes a different mindset than just, you know, getting something off the the sampler that has no structure to it at all. Yeah. So I don't necessarily think you need a vocalist to be a producer, but I do think you need to understand song structure. I do think you need to understand how songs flow. Listen to a David Axelrod, listen to, you know, some, some jazz, some Miles Davis, some, you know, like understand song structure of instrumental music. Yeah. And I think that makes you a producer more than, necessarily having to work with a vocalist yeah and and that's the, what i expect all the pushback to be like prince you just can't you hating on the people who don't even there's guys i listen to that under under my this take there's mm -hmm. guys i listen to who might be disqualified that i love right 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 i know they're producers but i'm still just like if you're but this mostly goes for like guys in our lane and hip-hop guys mm-hmm I'm not talking about like a Quincy Jones or an Axel Rod or whoever, mm -hmm. even though Axel Rod worked with choirs and vocalists, you listen to music, it's, it's, yeah. it's all mm -hmm. over his shit. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Um, but it's more like guys who were just making beats. You haven't mm -hmm. co collaborated with anybody. You just drop beat tapes. Mm -hmm. You haven't really gone down that path. And there's certain things you learn working with an artist that you cannot learn working by yourself. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying that validates you into the the greater scheme of things that you can't be successful or make money and do all that shit. It's motherfuckers who ain't never worked with vocalists made it a hundred times more money. I ever made it to shit. Mm -hmm. But to me, one of the biggest tests of a producer is producing a full length of yeah. some sort for a vocalist. And maybe that's the final boss. Maybe some people are like, fuck it. I ain't got to do it. That's cool. Mm -hmm. I just think it defines you differently and it teaches you something that the other stuff can't.
and I know it's unpopular for a reason, y'all. <laughs> it's, a hot t- it's a hot take. Mad DMs coming your way. <laughs> yeah, I'm expecting it. Monday's going to be tough. When this drops, it's going to be a <laughs> lot of people unsubscribing from the YouTube, <laughs> unfollowing the Instagram. Fuck them dudes, man. Man, yeah. print is full of shit. Uh, Fuck him. But you know, these are things I think, and I thought it would be good to discuss in this episode. <laughs> mm. Okay. Number seven. Oh, no. Number six. I'm sorry. Number six, unpopular producer opinion is that most producers look a little bit corny when they play their beats mm. just a little bit mm. like we're we're, we're mcs mm-hmm. we're used to a higher level of coolness mm-hmm. when guys are on stage when guys are in front of a camera when guys are performing we take that for granted sometimes but then I look over in the producer space, I'm like, some of these guys are not that cool. I'm just a little corny. <laughs> look a little awkward standing in front of me. Uh-huh. Your mannerisms is a little weird. Mm-hmm. You need to practice in front of a mirror a little more. Kind of like rappers have to do. Mm-hmm. Your beats are dope. Mm-hmm. You're talented. But I think most, about well, 95%, I'll give it 75%. Mm. The producers look a little corny. Well, most producers are corny anyway. <laughs> like, I'm, oh, it's a real shit. Like, most, like the fact that we're rappers definitely helps us out. But if I was just a producer, yeah. I think I would be a little corny because just because just I'm, I'm not the, I, I'm not the cool dude. I think the fact that what makes me cooler is the fact that I've rapped and I've had yeah. years of getting in front of people and understanding how to work a crowd and things like that. But if I was just a closeted, you know, yeah. at home producer, I'd be corny as fuck. <laughs> I know I would be. <laughs> I know it would be. I probably, you know what I'm saying? If I didn't know how to dance, you know what I'm saying? If I didn't know how to move, uh-huh. like, and just nervous in front of people, I would probably look corny as hell playing my beats in front of motherfuckers too. You know what I'm saying? So I agree mainly because a lot of closeted producers, a lot of recluse, you know, cats are recluses. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like a lot of cats don't really come out and play their beats like that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like even if they produce for other other artists, usually there's a DJ playing that beat. You don't have to play that beat. You're not a DJ. That's true. You know what I'm saying? Like you get to stay in the shadows. You get to stand behind the curtain and not really have to be in front of people and interact with people. But if you want to get into that space where you're going to the beat making, you know, uh, the beat makers stuff and playing beats live in front of people, you definitely need to learn how to, you know, interact with the crowd, look a little cooler. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> presentation yeah. matters, man. That's presentation matters. That's all it I'm does. Saying. It does. It's very true. Very true. Very true. But I think just naturally, most producers, because they're, you know, spend hours and hours and hours just in their room by themselves, yeah. are going to be a little corny when they get out in front of cats for the first few times. So it's not just me. Good, good. No, nah, it's not. Okay. It's not. You know, I'm, a lot of these joints, I feel like I'm such a hater, but I'm like, am I the only one who notices this shit? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, let's take a break. We'll be right back. What's up, everybody? Got some big news to share with you all today. I'm proud to announce that for the first time, I will be opening up my artist coaching and consulting services to the public. 
I have been doing it for several years behind the scenes, helping artists and small businesses achieve their goals, but it's never been something that I made publicly available, nor anything that I promoted until now. So if you're an artist or a small business owner, I'm now available to be booked for one-on-one -on -one sessions designed to help you achieve your goals as quickly and as efficiently as possible. If this is something that you're interested in, email me at superdutytoughwork at waitlist.net. Tell me a little bit about yourself and we'll get the ball rolling from there. I look forward to working with you all. Peace. This is your weekly reminder that we have two books that you as a listener or watcher of this podcast need to absolutely own. The first is the 10 traits of successful hip hop artists. And the second is the social media cheat code. Both of these books were released within the last year. The 10 traits of successful hip hop artists is a book where I go through the stories and explain the traits that uh, are behind the success of some of the biggest names in hip hop today. Um, the book has got nothing but amazing feedback. And if you are an artist, business person, whatever you do, if you would like to be inspired and would like to learn more about hip hop along the way and also see some some reinforcement of the concepts that we talk about on this podcast, the 10 traits of successful hip hop is for you. Second book is the social media cheat code. That is for everyone who listens to this podcast who does not uh, consider themselves an expert or really good at social media. It's not for super experienced people. It's actually for people who are on social media, but are not getting the results you need. So what we did is I broke down like 12 or 13 strategies that I use all the time that actually work really well for me. I put it into book. I gave you examples and I tell you how to implement it. That's a book you absolutely need as a listener to this podcast, watcher this podcast. If you're on YouTube, supporting these books actually goes a long way towards supporting the podcast. So uh, to support the show, if you like what we do, obviously we don't necessarily get paid to do this shit. So support the products and services that we create. And these two books are a big part of that. We appreciate your support and uh, back to the show. All right, folks, we back. We got three more left. Three more unpopular producer opinions. If you stuck with us this long and you ain't thrown, you know, your glass at the screen, <laughs> slammed your phone or unfollowed us yet. We appreciate you riding on this journey of some of the most unpopular things that we are going to say, because why the fuck not? We got three left. The number seven. Unpopular producer opinion and this is gonna piss off some people i'm sorry to all my people who this pisses off but i gotta say it low in theory people you know what I, mean? <laughs> I don't want to call it that no, Duh. Not, the cats know. the cats that are in that that space there's there's a space where this is gonna be very yeah unpopular. there's some people who just they're gonna be like oh fuck that yeah there's a space <sighs> number seven unpopular producer opinion is that there is a such thing as too much swings on the drums there's a such yeah. thing as too much drum swing i'm not saying that anytime you swing the drums is too much mm -hmm. i'm not saying i expect the drums to be stiff i'm just saying that there are pockets of producers who believe that you can never have too much drum swing mm -hmm. and what happens to me as a listener is that I struggle to nod my head to the shit. Yeah. Which means it fucks up my enjoyment. Mm -hmm. Like it becomes this weird exercise where I'm like, 
trying to catch the rhythm mm-hmm. and things are too loose. Yeah. Like I know and I understand all of this was inspired by Dilla. Mm-hmm. But Dilla had a limit. Mm-hmm. Even the RZA would be sloppy on his drums, but there was a limit. Mm-hmm. I think the technology has removed those limits and that people now believe that there's no such thing as too much drum swing. And I just want to say, hey, guys, mm-hmm. it, you can take this shit too far. There's guys who swing the drums who I think are dope. Mm-hmm. There's guys who I who who I think programs I think could swing it a little more. Mm-hmm. But then you got this other category of guys who's just like, what the fuck am I nodding my head to, man? Mm-hmm. What's going on? What what was what's did you just this shit don't even go together? The snare don't go with the kick, the kick don't go with the fucking hats. The shit is all over the place. And sometimes I'm just like, all right, man, enough. Can we bring it just back, tighten it just a little bit? That's it. Yeah, I mean, I, I, can, I can agree with that to an extent. Um, yeah, some of, some of the shit that doesn't swing or that, or that swings too much, depending on, it, it's, it's good in, in limited, you know, doses yes. for me. Um, you know, there, there are projects that I've heard where the whole thing is, you know, extra, extra swingy. Yeah. And it's hard to catch. Um, some some people just, you know, don't quantize at all. They're like quantization is the devil. Yeah. You know, there is a level where you can still swing the drums, you know, like quantize them and then move them over just a little touch. Just you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Just a little bit to give it a little swing. Move the snare a little bit, you know, change. You know, like I think, you know, I I, I agree with you. I think there is a such thing as too much swing in 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 excess yeah you know what i'm saying like i think it's good in moderation if you're doing a project and you got two or three songs that might have that little mm-hmm. you know kind of jagged staccato kind of movement where it's not groovy yes then that's cool but you yes. know cats that do it too too much it yes. is hard for the average listener yes you know and even producers you know what i'm saying to an extent to ride with it and catch it you know what yes. i'm saying like it's hard to have that shit playing in your car yeah you know what i'm saying it's hard to like really like chill out and relax to some of that shit mm-hmm. um but some of it's super dope you some know what i'm saying super dope yes yeah but overall i i, I can agree i can agree and there's there something that, there's something you touched on there which is groove mm-hmm. the more you get extreme with that swing the less groove you have yeah you you destroy the groove the further and further and further away that everything is from each other from being in this little pocket mm-hmm. there's a pocket where everything it's got a perfect groove and a perfect swing and some guys can program right there on that edge yeah i love it but then you got some people who don't even know that there's a ledge there mm-hmm. they're off into the abyss mm-hmm. so groove is important you lose the groove kind of lose the listener a little bit yeah. it's almost but, like the new rappers but yes, can't write a beat. You don't know what write I'm a beat at all. Yeah, don't write a beat at all. Like it's kind of in that vein, but it's it's the drums. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Like it's kind of in that vein. And I've heard, yeah, sometimes it's like, oh, what is? I'm trying to catch it. I'm trying to figure it yeah. out. And you know, after a while, it's like, okay, skip next track. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And another thing I want to add to this too is like, as long as you're programming really slow tempos. 
you don't see a problem with drum swing. Mm -hmm. My biggest issue with the drum swing thing being extreme is when you start getting about 90 BPM or faster. Mm -hmm. I don't want to hear no drums that are like on some four on the floor that are like not tightly certain. Like as you get faster, the drums are expected to be tighter and tighter. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's really how it kind of moves to me, uh, uh, mm -hmm. how a listener thinks. So like at slower tempos, you can kind of get away with more. But I think people are just, they just apply this. There's no limit to everything, no matter what the tempo, no, you lose the groove. And sometimes I'm just like, all right, man, there is a limit. Like, just, just be, that's it. This is, we'll probably get flamed for this too. Yeah. And, and I just want to say, personally, I wasn't saying that the lower theory cats don't have no swing, you know what I'm saying? Or swing yeah. too much. I was just saying, a lot of cats are inspired by that movement. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That's where, you know, like, they took what Dilla did and what, you know, like the cats like Flying Lotus and, you know, those cats. If you listen to some of their earlier stuff, they did experiment with swing and take it, yeah. you know, places. And sometimes these days, a lot of the newer producers take it way too far. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So shout out. You know, we got we got people over there. You yeah, know we got there? people shout over in that world. You know guys. what I'm saying? Got, it's not no shout yeah. out. It's like, yeah, it's not no shout it's out. It's our family. At them you at all. You know no. what I mean? And so uh, that's number seven. Number eight, unpopular producer opinion is that 95% of all drum packs sound the same. Facts. I say this as someone who's bought a good amount of drum packs. Same here. When they first started out, they was hot. You could get different sounds, different snares. I think we've reached a critical mass with drum packs where producers are now just stealing drums from other producers' drum packs, mm -hmm. packaging them up as their own, and selling them to people as if they're new. They're not introducing no new snares, no new kicks. There's a few guys who do a really good job at that, you know, like uh, uh, the Beast That Knock type series. He's creating kicks mm -hmm. through synthesis and things like that. You don't really have a lot of that. You got a lot of stealing going on. And what it does is like it makes you as the person behind these packs be like, why the fuck should I buy another drum pack if they all sound the fucking same? Yep. Nobody want to say that, though. We got to pretend that these dudes ain't jacking each other. Like the bar is just like, oh, I just need some new drums. We'll go buy the shit to be disappointed over and over and over again, man. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think it. Um, when you buy packs that have breaks in it. That's different. That's the exception. Yeah. Drum breaks. That's the exception. Drum breaks is where the differences lie. But when you buy packs that are one shots, yep. everything does pretty much sound the same. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Everybody got their 808 kick. Yes. Everybody got their, you know, Tom. You know yep. what I'm saying? There's the, you know, the three or four different snare sounds that, you know, you heard from this record or that record. But if you really want to hear some different shit, Buy drum packs that are breaks. Buy break yeah. packs as opposed to, you know, drums. Like Stolen Drums, his break packs, because he started playing drums and he plays his own packs and his yeah. swing is different. You know what yeah. I mean? So, like, you can hear the differences in, you know, packs that have breaks in it. But mm -hmm. one-shot packs, not exactly. You know, it's, it's very rare that you hear something that perks your ear up to where you notice that it's different. Yeah. Yeah. That's number eight. Last one. Last 
unpopular producer opinion. I'm going to share. And I don't think this one is that crazy, but I'm sure somebody will get offended. Number nine, unpopular producer opinion is that modern producers are better at chopping and manipulating samples, but older producers were better at sampling. Mm -hmm. By that, I mean that in a technical sense, the new producers, the modern producers are way ahead of the originators and the guys of 10, even 10, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, in terms of how to manipulate, how to chop, how to put, you know what I'm saying? Like how to manipulate a sample. I think they are better. They start further ahead at that in a technical sense. Where I think they are behind is that they are not sampling more interesting stuff. Right. Sampling is not just about chopping up a sample. Half of the, the, the beauty of sampling is finding some shit that's interesting enough to sample and make motherfuckers go, holy shit, what is that? Where'd you find that? And then if you can make people feel that with and you can pull from multiple sources, which is what a lot of the older producers were great at. Yeah. Th those older producers, you look at like the records they put together, like like a So What You Saying by EPMD. Mm -hmm. And it's not like he was like crazy crazy and some shit you never heard but the the way he pulled those records together with no time stretch mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying with limited sampling time and it just sound and it was sequenced so beautifully is some shit you only do and you can only achieve if you know your records right right like you gotta know what's on that record well enough to be like oh that record over there got something on it that i think goes with this record over here perfectly Mm -hmm. And you got to have, and I had a point where I felt like that mm -hmm. when all, when I was living in Cincinnati and all my records was on my bedroom floor, mm -hmm. that's when I was making your first two, three records. Mm -hmm. I knew all those records like the back of my hand because it was all I had. Mm -hmm. The more records I got, the less I knew. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? The less I could make these collage type things or find these, 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 these individual samples that were like, holy shit. Mm -hmm. I can't believe nobody's used that. That becomes harder and harder to achieve as you get more and more stuff. And I think that's the burden or the disadvantage of the modern producer. They have infinite shit to choose from. Yeah. There is no limitation on the source material. And but what suffers is your attention span. Whereas the previous generation, they had to buy every record. Right. They had to be more discerning. They was only buying a record if it had something crazy on it. Now you have hard drives full of shit that you might not even get to listen to in your lifetime. Yeah. And I think sampling as a whole and what made me think this is De La Soul. Mm -hmm. You go back and listen to those De La Soul records or master classes in sampling. Not in sample chopping, not in, you know what I'm saying, micro chopping or, or manipulating samples in sampling. Mm -hmm. They were sampling some of the most original shit ever. And it gave you a completely different feel than somebody who's just chopping up something that's cool or dope. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think I think the thing that has changed that is technology, though. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? I think because if the producers back then had the technology where it was unlimited sampling time, where they had, you know, everything from YouTube to, you know, all of these kind of services that give you samples. 
you know what I'm saying, to where they're not records. You don't have to necessarily know exactly where this is pulling from or it's someone playing live instrumentation that's on this website that you can download and sample to where you don't have to know every little thing that you have on your hard drive. I think that's part of why there has been a shift, you know, in understanding sampling and just sampling and chopping and manipulating because, you know, the technology has changed to where you have that ability. And I think people attempt to push the envelope a little more instead of, you know, being like a bomb squad to where, you know what I'm saying? You're pulling pieces from all these other records. Like even listening to the first couple um, organized confusion records, you know what I'm saying? Like how those were produced. Um, You know, you can tell that things are pulled from multiple sources, but they work so seamlessly. There's not a lot of that now because like you said, people don't necessarily know their records and everybody's not using records. Yep. A lot of people YouTube dig. A yep. lot of people, you know, get their stuff from like a website like Splicer, you know, one of these other, you know, sampling websites and, you know, sample packs and shit like that. Yes. So, you know, there is definitely a difference in knowing the source material that you have available at your fingertips and having an infinite source, you know, an infinite pool of shit to pull from to where there's no way you can possibly know, you know, that you got this bell over here that'll sound good with this drum break that you have over here you know it's no it's no possible way to know all of that stuff i think it'd be smart to take the time to you know even if you do it that way yes like, okay only take a certain amount of shit at a time mm-hmm. and study that stuff that you have and then you can you know work in those capacities as well as chopping you know and, and add all of that to the arsenal but i think it's the technology that's changed yeah yeah, yeah i agree i agree that's it yeah. that's it for this week man you know hopefully you ain't unsubscribed or uh flamed <laughs> us up yet if you're at home listening or throwing your fucking phone or your, your monitor fl gang yeah fl gang i hope y'all cool <laughs> you know what i'm saying oh we still cool fl gang no offense no offense i just somebody had to say it. i hope that the people who work at fl studio hear that um, that's man. all I want. Just upgrade that interface, man. Upgrade that GUI, man. Just a little bit, man. Let me read these joints back, man. You know, piss people off as we get out of here. Number one was that watching 95% of producers make beats is boring. Number two, Fruity Loops GUI is awful. And that's why people front on it, not the cost or functionality. Number three, all trap drums sound the same. Number four, music theory ruined the RZA. Number five, if you've never produced a full-length album for a vocalist, you're not a producer yet. You're a beat maker. Ah, they hate me for that one. I'm sorry. Number six, most producers look a little corny when they're playing their beats. Number seven, there is a such thing as too much drum swing. Number eight, 95% of all drum packs sound the same. Number nine, modern producers are better at chopping and manipulating samples but older producers were better at sampling. That's it for this week, folks. I hope y'all got a laugh out of this. Uh, please don't uh, get too mad at us. You know, have some fun, discuss this episode, hit us in the comment section, and uh, we'll see y'all next week. Where? Peace. Peace. Thank you for listening to Super Duty Tough Work. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Follow the podcast on SoundCloud. 
complex that nobody know about. I mean, super duty tough work, huh? <laughs>